0: Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, a timelessly classic podcast. I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. And I'm Jeanette. How are you ladies today?
1: Good, not bad. Um, it has been super hot here. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wow, really? So, hot, 90s, high 90s, um, dead of summer, and it's dry here, so... And the sun is technically closer to us, so it was, it was a little brutal.
0: That's um, <laughs> true.
1: <laughs> but we're surviving. Um, right now, we're getting ready to celebrate Emily's sixth birthday. Oh. Six years! Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, six. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, like she's a big, legit school ager You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she's huge. I mean. I think David last, like, um, checked her height, and she was, he said, 44 inches tall. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm only, like, (laughs) 5'4". Yeah. She'll be here before we know it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, both of them are going to totally surpass me in height, for sure. (laughs) So, yeah, that's about it. I finally got her, like, little thing of gifts ready, so... I'm all set. I can't wait to give them to her. Aw, yay. yay. Clearly a lot of books. (laughs) Well, obviously. Obviously. Yep. (laughs) So, how
2: are you doing, Jeanette? I am exhausted, but super happy. (laughs) We just went back to the school year, and so, like, this week was, like, back to school night and everything, but the school year's been going really well. I'm so excited. I get to teach English and share my love of reading and writing with Yay! all the children's they're very excited about it too I'm sure of <laughs> course <laughs> um yeah and then last week I got to attend the National Book Festival with the wonderful Meredith it's true yes <laughs> and friends of the show Naomi and Michelle so <laughs> and it was just, it was so much fun. It was so exciting. And anybody who runs into me in the street, please ask me about Anne M. Martin. Just please ask me.
1: You have no idea how jealous
2: I am. <laughs> she read to us. She read oh the my first goodness. babysitter's club meeting aloud to us, like from the original book. That's amazing. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Naomi took a picture of, a, of me, like, just losing my mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it was Basic. a day full of emotions. Seriously, <laughs> I mean, one who shaped so many preteens, you know, and young teenagers' lives. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. good people. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's true.
0: Yeah, so I didn't get to hear her talk because I was at. I think that was when I was at the Charlie Jane Andrews talk. It uh, was. Yes. Yeah. So That's that was a good. One that too. was great too. And uh, it was also like it was like a Schwab. Filled morning because uh, V.E. Schwab was there f- to talk about Vicious, but then she was also there as Victoria Schwab
2: to talk about City of Ghosts. Does she have and different so- hats?
1: For
0: her name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Did she change her cat ears? I don't know. She did. <laughs> cat
2: ears? I thought she wore the same ones, but it was she probably did. Yeah, <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, so that was fun. So it was a lot of that a lot of Schwab talks and getting books signed. And yeah. it's always so much fun. It's always I mean, it's always a long day, at least for us, because we we plan it all out. Um, and it was awesome, though. It was so much fun. But yeah, that's about all I have to say, too. That's that was my big thing recently was going to the book fest.
1: That's a pretty big
2: thing. Yeah. Super (laughs) fun. Yep. Well, let's move on and talk about what we're reading now then. What are you reading, Susan? I am reading Order of the Phoenix.
1: Woo! We just (laughs) finished Goblet of Fire. So um, I'm reading, I'm starting Order of the Phoenix for a discussion next week. And oh, man. I can't believe we're more than halfway through this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it feels like you're moving through it really fast. Uh, a book every two months is kind of our goal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um And I mean, they can get to be pretty pretty fast reads. Yeah. So I think I think there's on average, especially for the later books, five chapters a week. Um, oh, okay. that's not yeah, bad. So, as they get longer. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> before it was like two to three chapters a week (laughs) and then it goes from like you know 20 to like 38 chapters (laughs) yeah it's like okay we can do this we got this (laughs) um so we're starting order phoenix and i am listening to crazy rich asians on audiobook or as an audiobook so that's been fun um a lot more exposition than the movie Mm, but okay, the feeling is still there, and there are parts where I'm like, I'm kind of glad that wasn't in the movie. <laughs> mm,
0: yeah, I've yeah, I've kind of heard mixed things about that book versus movie
1: talk, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to hear what you think of it, and if you're going to continue. Yeah, I was like, I think I right now I'm like, I think I'll continue this series, um, but it might be just a tad too long. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Eh, But there's, like, worse things that, you know, could be wrong with a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the last book I'm reading right now is A Sister to Honor by Lucy Ferris. Um, This was gifted to me in a, let's see, um, Santa swap. And it's about this, it's centered around this um, brother-sister who are Pakistani, and they come to America to study, and, like, it's discovered that she like has a boyfriend, and it kind of all goes downhill. <laughs> um, oh, okay, I don't. I'm not familiar with the culture, so I'm like super. I, I'm torn because like it really feels like a caricature because it's so extreme. Mm. But it's like I can't imagine the author just writing what she sees and takes a stereotype. I would think that she would have done her research, you know, on yeah. culture, a Pakistani culture and I think specifically Pashtun. Um so hmm. then it's like infuriating. <laughs> right. If it is accurate, then it's infuriating. Yeah. So, do you
0: do you have any idea if the author is Pakistani?
1: No, I don't think so. Hmm. Um I believe she's Caucasian. From the photos that I saw on Google. I was trying to okay. was trying to well. tag her in Instagram, and I wanted to see if she had an Instagram account and I think mm. the photos I've seen was a Caucasian woman. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So. Right. <laughs> it's super intense. Like I it's like a super page turner. But then it's like I don't know if why it's I'm mad or if I'm trying to figure out if like everything'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um so those are my books um what are you reading meredith well right now the only thing i'm currently
0: reading and i actually just started it is uh illuminae which is the first book in a sci-fi trilogy by Ooh. amy kaufman and Jay Kristoff. that's called the illuminae files mm-hmm. and i've been so excited to read this series i've only heard good things about it and so far i'm like i'm literally like 15 pages in like i just started it last night But the way that the book is set up is so interesting. So it's like made up of all these interviews and emails and schematics and like all of this super cool looking stuff. And so like I barely even understand what's going to be happening yet, but I'm super into it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a literal file you're reading through. Right. And so I was trying, I, I'd had some people on, on Instagram say, oh, what you really need to do because the, uh, the audio book is like a full cast recording mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be really cool. They're like, oh, the best thing to do is listen to the audio book while you read the book. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Uh, no, I, I can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was
0: thinking I wouldn't be able to. I found, like, I, I tried two pages and I found that I'm trying, because I'm trying to listen but also read, I'm doing neither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah so, like, yep. I'm literally not taking anything in. So um I'm hoping that I'll really like it, though. Uh, I'll like just reading it. And then my husband's the audiobook listener. So I think he will probably like this, too, because he's really into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm currently reading. But I did also recently finish Sky Without Stars by mm-hmm. Jessica Brody and Joanne Rendell, which is interesting. So like two kind of back-to-back um, like books written by two authors, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is a young adult retelling of Les Mis
1: in space. In and- space. In space. <laughs> I love that so much. Les Mis in space. It's so cool. <laughs> it was
0: really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I am definitely looking forward to the second book, which I think comes out maybe early next year. So hopefully I don't have to Ooh. wait too long for it. Uh, and so it was also, and I'm sure we'll talk about this when we get to Scarlet Pimpernel, but those are two interesting books to read so close together <laughs> since, you know, French Revolution and all that. Yeah,
2: that's true. Um,
0: and then Jeanette and I did a buddy read a few weeks ago. And we read Wildcard by Marie Lu, which is the sequel to Warcross, which we buddy read last year. Yes. And it was really fun, right, Jeanette?
2: I enjoyed it. It was. It was super fun. I, I liked that we in Warcross, our big thing was like, oh, we picked up all the reveals. And then in Wildcard, we're like, wait, none of this makes any sense. We have so <laughs> many questions. Well, and... What does
0: it all mean?
2: <laughs> so... Uh... In Wildcard, we were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the twist. This is going to be a twist. And we were right. And then or in Warcross, that is. And in Wildcard, we're like, we have all these questions. And then the book answered all the questions. So I really felt like Marie Lou is in conversation with us because we're buddy reading this. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely
0: a fun duology if you want to pick up some fun, quick reads. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. So what yeah. are you reading, Jeanette?
2: I am actually currently reading Tiny Pretty Things by Sona Chirapatra and Danielle Clayton, uh, who we interviewed back in April, if you missed it. And um, this one is really cool. It's like it takes place in a ballet school, but it's like Mean Girls in a ballet school, except instead of like the funny things in the Mean Girls movie, like, you know, Tricking each other into like eating butter or something dumb like that. They play really, really mean pranks on each other, like really mean. Oh man. Like, yeah. Writing threats on the walls and things like that. Well, it's got to be super competitive, right? Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, my sister in law is a ballet dancer. And so I mentioned to my husband, you know, oh, I'm reading this book about mean girls in a ballet school. He's like, so you're reading about a ballet school. Yeah, <laughs> was oh, like, I was like I hope not because I used to dance ballet as a kid and I hate the thought that like alternate universe me is going through this right now um, yeah Um, but I'm also reading Rebecca by Daph- Daphne de Maurier and that's my reread of the month I haven't reread it in years I originally read it for my freshman year of high school mm. and I'm really excited about like revisiting Manderley and that one if you haven't read it is about a woman who gets married and she moves into her husband's home and like basically everybody is haunted by the memory of Rebecca his original wife his first wife and nobody wants to really talk about what happened to her or anything but she constantly feels herself being compared to this woman whom she has like replaced Mm -hmm. and she feels herself falling short against this ghost. So it's kind of creepy. It's kind of mysterious. And it's starting to feel like fall around here. So I feel like it's a good time. It's to time. <laughs> it is. Um, and I'm also about to start Miss Cop's Midnight Confessions by Amy Stewart, which is the third book in the Cop Sisters series. The Girl Waits with Gun was the first one that we read a couple years back. But I want a goodreads giveaway of book five and now i'm like i gotta catch up so i can read them all because the fifth (laughs) book is about to come out and it's gonna come out like right before my birthday which i didn't realize how did i not realize that
0: i I didn't know that either i also didn't realize they were up to book five yeah yeah
2: well i knew they were up to book five but i thought it was a while away but yeah there's a lot of
1: books in this world i'm just putting it out there i know
2: (laughs) and i have to read all of them it's very time-consuming So, yeah, and it's my birthday, and I usually try and do, like, a reread, an audio reread for my birthday, but we'll see. It's just, like you said, there's so many books. Mm -hmm. But I would like to add, because Meredith just said something about her husband, and Susan just said something about Harry Potter, my husband actually picked up Prisoner of Azkaban again.
1: What? Yay! Yes!
2: That's awesome! (laughs) I'm super excited, and he's actually making progress. He read a whole chapter last night. <laughs> well, that's good great. for him. I mean, yeah, that's how like he's like in chapter like eight or something now.
1: That's so. that's what I read exactly. one cha- one Harry Potter chapter a night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very proud of him. <laughs> that's great! Yay, that's a good one too. I like Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. yeah, that, that one's my fun. favorite.
2: I, I was know. Very pressuring. <laughs> Speaking of pressure, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's talk about the pressure of classic books. We've read a classic today for the first time, or for today, for the first time in a while. Mm -hmm. So, do you guys feel pressured to read classics?
1: I used to. (laughs) I used to. Uh, Because, like, I'm not an English major, right? So, everybody's like, oh, you love to read. Did you read this? This is like, no, I have not read those. Should I have? like those Russian authors and those French authors, you know, (laughs) and like all the Shakespeare ever. I'm like, no, I have not read those. And like, you know, I'd feel like a a little shame, you know, (laughs) like look down on, like I'm not, I'm not a good reader. Um, But as I've gotten older, especially um, the past few years, I'm like, I don't care. No, I have not read that. It does not interest me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, hopefully we're getting to that point in our lives where we can read what we want and it doesn't, you know, what people think doesn't matter. I mean, just with the same idea that you shouldn't feel like you have a guilty pleasure Mm -hmm. of reading, you know, like if you read romance or if you read horror or, you know, whatever, that there's there's nothing that's beneath another necessarily. Um, But – no, I definitely feel pressure about uh, classics because <laughs> I did major in English. And so, yeah, people assume that you've read all of these classics, right? And I haven't. It's uh, – I have not read a lot of them. Like, honestly, like, if you sat here and asked me, like, if you just picked out some books, there's probably a pretty good chance that I will have said, no, I have not read
2: that. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I mean I- – <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't an English major e- either, but I um I took some English classes in college, so I read a few classics. I definitely got more Shakespeare under my belt that way, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I li- was living in Ecuador, it was hard to find books in English to read, and most of the ones that I could find were classics. So I feel like I've read a bunch of random classics that other people maybe wouldn't have,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but not like the ones that everybody talks about. Yeah. So I also true. have that, that feeling a lot where somebody will be like, have you read this? And I'll say, no, actually not that one.
1: The other one.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and it
0: also, I think it depends on the curriculum that you were taught in school. Right. Sure. I mean, cause that's where a lot of people have read them. And so, I know my older sister, because this she lived in North Carolina, or we all lived in North Carolina when she was in high school. And so the curriculum she had was very different than the one I ended up having when we moved to Florida when I was in high school. And right. so, yeah, she read all of these more established classics while I didn't. And so, you know, it was kind of cool because I got to read some things that maybe I wouldn't have read. But now I feel like I have to backpedal to read those classics because again, like once I got to college and I was majoring in English, there's so many different classes you can take, and I think sometimes they also assume that you've read those, and so they don't cover them. Oh, yeah, I did see that. You know, and it depends. Like, you know, I took poetry, I took Shakespeare, I took you know like multicultural lit, um, I took a lit and adoption course, which was really interesting. So like cool. I was I was taking ones that weren't just like, and even when I took American lit and British lit you're only getting snippets because you're reading anthologies mm, and so right, you're not yep. just sitting there reading the whole books right so yeah so i feel like i i didn't get them in high school and so now if i want to read them then
1: i just got to read them on my own
2: <laughs> exactly
1: or pick them for book club
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and make everybody
1: read them. It's like the best way to get some of the books you wanted to read in, you know. Like I
2: have I, I don't to know what you're this. talking about. I would never, for example, make everybody read Anna Karenina. No, <laughs> yeah. of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many classics do you have on your TBR? <laughs> Come on. <sighs> I only
1: ha- I have like over I think I think two hundred seventy four TB books on my TBR. Mm-hmm. Um, I switched my my search to showing a hundred a page so I wouldn't lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only saw four, actually. Um, wow. The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton Orlando by Virginia Woolf Watership Down by Richard Adams and the rest of A Wrinkle in Time series um, so not much and I think because I do go back and I do update my TBR like I'll take out books mm. that like I, I'm pretty sure I just won't read ever so I'll delete them off um, and I'm trying to be very particular about what I put in my TBR now <laughs> Well, good for you. Yes. Yeah. So, so when people are like, oh, yeah, I love Lemiz, I love Lemiz the musical. Then it's like, I don't know if I want to read the book, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. So I just don't put it on. So I, I think I'm good with my four because I looked at the the summary and it's like, no, this looks interesting. I'm going to read this book at one point.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. What about you, Mare?
0: <sighs> well, I have not called my TBR very well, like Susan. And so <laughs> I did not go through all of them because I've got I think like over six hundred on my TBR right now. <laughs> but what yeah. But what I did is I switched it to reverse to show me the oldest ones that I put on there.
2: Oh mm, mm-hmm. smart.
0: Because right now, like I have not been adding classics I don't think for quite some time. So I went back and the first five books I added were classics. They are Little Women, A Tale of Two Cities, Frankenstein, The Count of Monte Cristo, and Les Mis.
2: Haven't read any of them. They're all pretty popular. (laughs) Hey, Les Mis! Right now would be a good time. Now that you've just finished reading Skyward, just
1: go with that Uh. theme. (laughs) Gosh,
2: oh, <laughs> I'm just so intimidated by it.
1: It is
0: um, pretty thick. Well, oh, that's true. An audiobook might be the way to go. So now as I continued scrolling, I just saw more and more and more and more. and It was just giving me anxiety. So I stopped. Um, but there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot on there. Um, and so I I don't know. But l- like Susan is saying, how many of them am I, am I really going to get around to reading now? There's some that I truly do want to read. Mm-hmm. But... Right. Do I want to read all of them or do I want to just say that I've read them? Right. You know? Mm.
2: Yep. Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And it's very mm-hmm. similar to my next question. Um, oh, I guess I didn't say how yeah, many Yeah, I was going to say, wait yeah, a second. Yeah, come on, Jeanette. You got to spill. Ah, <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> well, um, if you recall from our TBR episode last year, um, I have pretty long TBR now at a year and that's why I didn't go through all of my TBR. <laughs> um, but in the ones I went over, I went like, I went with like a fine tooth comb over like maybe half of mm. my TBR. Mm-hmm. And then I probably should have set it to like a hundred per page. Cause then I was getting stressed out. Right. Like I'm done. <laughs> um, so in just the ones I went over, I had about 70 classics listed, so My guess is I probably don't have more than maybe like 80 because every my list is ordered chronologically Mm -hmm. and when from when I added them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in the past few years I haven't really added that many classics. So Mm -hmm. I don't think I have more than 75 or 80 on there. But I think it also depends on what you consider a classic. Yeah. Because I have what yeah. would be considered like sci-fi classics on there because I love sci-fi and I haven't read all the old school sci-fi and I love right. that stuff. That's um, a I've really heard, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have children's classics on that list that I never read. Like a lot of people um, read like The Wind and the Willows when they were kids and mm-hmm. I never read that. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And, but I also have like more modern classic like Toni Morrison's Beloved, which everybody's yeah. like, yes, it's a classic. But it's actually younger than we are. So, like when you mm-hmm. think of like yeah. classic books, you wouldn't necessarily think of a book from you know the late eighties, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But Tony,
2: that's true, right? Exactly. So.
0: <laughs> well, and that's kind of how I felt about *The Handmaid's Tale* because it's pretty much the same age as us, right? Right. Um, and I only read it like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I finally like I've been wanting to read it, obviously, but it finally got to the point where I was like, oh, my gosh, I like I can't keep saying that I haven't read this book. I need to read it.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, And no, that's very true. But like even those kinds of books, I didn't find a lot on my TBR because like Stephen King is considered a classic, you know, mm-hmm. like it and all those other other books. And I don't like horror.
2: I was yeah, going to say, those yeah. are horror classics, though, yeah, so and I would like, horror classics.
1: Yeah, I've never I – mean, I tell no people, offense, too, Mr. like, King. I don't like horror. I'll never read those books. So No, exactly. You know? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just – sorry. I'm just – I'm not going to ever read Stephen King. Oh, but some of his stuff isn't, like, horror like that. I'm like, yeah. But I'm still I, not that interested.
2: Um, I think no, – I have in, somewhere a list of – Stephen King books because uh, Stacy, who guest uh, guest hosted Mm -hmm. on one of our episodes a Mm -hmm. couple years Mm -hmm. back, she likes Stephen King and she. I was telling her I don't do scary books, and she gave me a list actually of Stephen King books that I shouldn't find scary,
1: Mm -hmm. but I still get up
2: the nerve. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and saying that she likes Stephen King is like, (laughs) yeah, she has an entire of an understatement. Yeah, she has an entire (laughs) bookcase of Stephen King books. (laughs)
1: Wow. Yeah, so. but yeah, I'm
0: the same way. I just I pretty much have kind of written him off because I'm like I don't like scary books. Mm-hmm. But I'm yeah, I'm sure there are a few in there that yeah. wouldn't be too scary, maybe. right?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I- I'll share the list. I'll have to find it. It's hidden somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you? So do you have these classics on your TBR because of social pressure then, or do you have only the ones like Susan that truly interest you? Like, how did these end up on your TBR to begin with? Right. Um, they definitely ended up
0: on my TBR because of social pressure, I would say. Um, and now I need to go back through them and decide, do I really want to read them? Or are they just going to sit on my TBR
2: until I die? <laughs> um, <laughs> And then everybody will know at your funeral that you didn't read Le Miz. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh no. I mean, like honestly, at this point, it's like let's Marie Kondo our TBR. Hmm. Mm.
0: It's true. Because
1: yeah. I mean, it, it does. It's like anxiety. It's like I have to read all these books, you know. And if it's called down to only the ones that will you think will truly bring you joy, you'll feel better about your TBR, and it won't seem as intimidating. <laughs> it's true. That is true. But there are a lot of them on
0: there, too, that I, I might have put on for societal pressure. But I think I would like to read them or at least give them a shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely would like to read some more Dickens because what I've read of his I've liked. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's um, how I feel
2: about Dickens, too. You know. Yeah. I've enjoyed all the Dickens I've read. Yeah. Now, I uh, I would agree with that. Um. Like, I'll have some on there that, because I read something by the author for school, like, I read, I had to read Tess of the Durbervilles for school. And I liked Mm -hmm. it. So now I want to read, like, all the Hardy.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Stuff
2: like that. And that's how you'll see a lot of the Dickens, the Hardy, the Russian classics up there. Like, you'll see a lot of things like Dostoevsky on there. Because I just like that kind of genre. I love Russian lit for whatever reason.
0: And you know what? Anna Karenina was surprisingly readable.
2: Yeah, it usually is. I mean, so there's something about the author of the genre that I really like in most of these cases. Um, and some of them are things that like they're children's classics. So like other kids were reading them in school, like one of the other reading groups would have been reading like number of the stars or mm-hmm. something. And I wasn't reading that in my reading group, but it sounded really interesting So a couple years ago, I went back and I read Number of the Stars and I ended up teaching it that year. Oh, fun. Yeah. But, you know, like you were saying, Meredith, it's part of the curriculum, too. I went to um, private schools a lot and I did high school outside of the country. So I feel like I'm missing some of the literary touchstones that people have from their childhood years. Mm -hmm. Because we did different things. And sometimes we did things in different years and out of order like some kids read of mice and men in high school i read it in middle school mm. so
0: mm-hmm.
2: i'm now missing whatever they read in middle school and i might be re- missing what they read in high school because i wasn't even yet in the country so yeah
0: well <laughs> and what made me really sad is and i know i've talked about this before but i read to kill a mockingbird like way before i should have i read it in like fifth grade oh, wow. <laughs> for fun um <laughs> and um And so I was super excited because I loved it. I was like, yes, I'm going to get to study this in high school and, like, really dig into it and, like, have discussions with people. And so I did ninth grade in North Carolina, and then we moved to Florida in 10th grade. So my North Carolina school studied it in 10th grade. My Florida school studied it in ninth grade. Hmm. So I never actually got to study it in school.
2: (laughs) That's so sad.
0: It was very sad.
2: What's also going to be interesting about stuff like that, like coming from the teacher side is that some of the things that, you know, we studied in school, currently educators are finding that they're not as relevant. Mm, That's true. Yeah. Today's middle school and high schoolers. So at our school, just as an example, we actually removed To Kill a Mockingbird from the curriculum even though I personally love that book and I, that made me sad when I heard about it, but they've replaced it with Dear Martin. So it's mm, another okay. mm-hmm. it's another book related along the same themes of, you know, racism and social justice, but it's more modern and more relevant to today's teenagers.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, too. I mean... We're expected to have read all these classics in high school, but how many people are really ready to read some of those classics in high school? I almost feel like sometimes that's why people get turned off from reading because of they had to read these old stuffy books in school and they didn't like them. And so now that's what they think reading is. And so I think updating the curriculum is very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But then you get into this weird conundrum of like, well, so then do I need to read them later in life or does it matter? I guess we just need to let it go. You know, like
2: like Susan was saying, does it spark joy? <laughs> do you want to read it? But I do. I like I classics when I read them. I had a thing for a while. I've, well, I've had a thing for the past few years and I only haven't done it this year. But like I read one big chunkster of a classic every year and that's how I ended up reading um, David Copperfield and Moby Dick and I really enjoy. I mean, I enjoyed a book about a whale, guys. <laughs> you know me and sea creatures. Did I don't you do that. really? That's a, that's <laughs> interesting. I okay. I enjoyed the writing and the themes, and I thought it was very interesting. I did not enjoy the chapters and chapters about how to use whale gear. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Was the actual I think like kind of skim.
2: <laughs> yeah. The actual like here's how you go whaling and, you know, things like that. That was. That was less exciting. But I I that one I did as a combo book audio book. So when I got to a chapter on whale blubber, I switched (laughs) to audio. (laughs) Apparently it's very useful. I just remember being like, Huh. I've just read like multiple chapters about whale body (laughs) parts and I should be really bored. And I am less bored than I would think. (laughs) Okay. There you go
1: weird side <laughs> world, <can't you? laughs> <sighs> I knew we were going to get there eventually.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> all conversations eel- end in whale blubber. Yep. Right. <laughs> it's
1: all blubber here from now. <laughs> um, well, let's let's continue on to our classic cuz this one, yes. <laughs> this one I personally enjoyed. Um, So let me give a short synopsis. Armed with only his wits and his cunning, one man recklessly defies the French revolutionaries and rescues scores of innocent men, women, and children from the deadly guillotine. His friends and foes know him only as the Scarlet Pimpernel, but the ruthless French agent Chauvelin is sworn to discover his identity and to hunt him down. So... What was the one thing that stood out to you for this book? It wasn't super long. But I feel like there were some surprising things in it. Yeah.
0: So for me, again, this is one of those classics. The Scarlet Pimpernel. I had heard of it. Felt like I probably (laughs) should have read it. I had no idea what it was about. Like, legit. No idea. Just knew that it was a classic that I probably should have read. So I found it interesting that it was set during the French Revolution. And of course, again, like av- after just reading a Les Mis kind of um, adaptation, that this is sympathizing with the aristocracy, <laughs> you know, yeah, that and was because I feel like, right, because I feel like everything you read about the French Revolution is like how they're terrible. And, you know, the people finally they're getting to, you know, rise up and mm-hmm. take control and. And this is like, oh, you poor, you
2: poor, poor, rich people. (laughs)
1: Um, I mean,
2: yeah, but if you think about the perspective, history is always written after the fact. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. aristocracy, you know, a lot of them having been guillotined wouldn't be around to uh, talk about it, (laughs) to share their perspective. And I mean, it's it's
1: (laughs) nice to see like a different perspective, though, you know, it's like, yeah, some of these are Mm -hmm. Aristocrats, you know, probably weren't terrible, you know? And I think yeah. if you just educated you them and just have have talked to have... them about it, they would yeah. have been fine, like, oh, I can see why you want a different thing. Yeah. Instead of just killing everybody.
2: <sighs> I mean, communication <laughs> is that really what happens in, during the French <laughs> yeah. Revolution? Because, well, we'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jeanette? Um, see, from for me, and I know we're going to get to this too, but what stood out to me was that we saw, this was completely from Marguerite's perspective. And see, I kind of had a vague sense of what this book was about. It's been on my TBR and it's been around for so long that I knew who the Scarlet Pimpernel was. And I kind of expected it to be from his perspective. Like, you know, those those man in a mask stories usually are like Zorro or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I I thought it would be more like one of those books, and having it all from Marguerite's point of view, I thought was really fun mm-hmm. for me. Um, for most of it, anyway. Well, it kept more of the mystery. Yeah, yeah, and the uh... yeah. like. I said I knew who the Scarlet Pimpernel was, so for me, the only bummer about it was I was like, if I. Hadn't known anything about this book going in, would I be, like, trying to solve the mystery? Would it be super obvious to me? Would I have been surprised? Mm-hmm. So, as,
0: as someone, like I said, who came in with no knowledge, me it too. was super <laughs> obvious. I okay, feel like good. I, me too.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep. So, I don't know if you missed out on too much there.
2: <laughs> okay, good. Because I I like mysteries, and I'm like, I feel like I missed out on having a mystery. No, it like, was it was.
0: There, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean, it was like pretty much as soon as they were introduced, you're like, oh, so it's him, right? It's him, it's, <laughs> it's
2: Percy. Okay, yeah, it's Percy. Okay, okay. But see, that's how I felt when uh, they all walked in. I'm like, oh, isn't that the dude who's supposed to be the Scarlet Pimpernel? And I just like went and confirmed like my, my like <laughs> summary that I had like previously <laughs> like read at some other point in my life. I'm like, yep, yeah, <laughs> that's him.
1: So that's I- it. I like the perspective that's Marguerite's but interestingly, the audio book that I read was a man.
0: Well, that's wrong. <laughs> well, okay, but so are we are we going to move yes, on then can. to the point of view question? Yep. Okay. <laughs> is is it actually through Marguerite's point of view? Because to me it came off more as a third person omniscient because you start the whole the book starts in Paris. And she is not yeah. there. And like you have all these times where she is not around and things are happening. And it was also weird because I couldn't figure out who the narrator really was because they kept breaking the fourth wall and talking to the readers. And I was just like, who is this? What's happening? I found
1: it pretty jarring. Yeah, the also like, did um, a I lot found of it Like, oh, let me tell you about this backstory. And then come back to the story, you know.
0: Right. right. So like I found one near the beginning and so this is a quote. It says The coffee room of the fisherman's rest is a show place now at the beginning of the twentieth century. At the end of the eighteenth, in the year of Grace seventeen ninety two, it had not yet gained the notoriety and importance which a hundred additional years in the craze of age has since bestowed on it. Where are we? What is happening? Is this like is this a mushka or whatever her
2: name is talking to us? Like I don't un-
0: what? Are we on a tour? Like,
2: (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) And see, to me, that, like, had that feeling of, like, the only movie that is coming to mind to, like, illustrate this right now is Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) So bear with me. Okay. Um, But, like, at the beginning of, like, the Winnie the Pooh movies or, like, even hit the old Winnie the Pooh TV shows where, like, the narrator is kind of, like, opening the book and introducing you to Mm. the world. And it's like... So far away in the Hundred Acre Wood, (laughs) like, there was a bear and he hung out with his best friend, Christopher Robin, like, that kind of stuff. And I was, like, kind of introducing you. And then once you're in the book, you're, like, going from, like, Winnie the Pooh's perspective. That's how the feel had to me. It's, like, almost like we're opening the story. I'm dropping you in it. Here is where you are. And then you're, like, mostly from Marguerite's perspective from then on. You're right. There are a few points where it's, like, more omniscient um but like I still mostly felt like I was like with Marguerite
1: no that's a yeah good I guess yeah
0: yeah I feel, well and I think maybe that's also why it was confusing because it felt like it kept going back mm-hmm. and forth you'd be like okay this is for Marguerite well no it's not or well are we okay we're back with Marguerite what is I just I don't know it was just I wasn't really a fan of how they did that but i also <laughs> found it interesting because I, I was reading this stuff at the end of the book and maybe i'm just a dummy and didn't know this but this the, she wrote this originally as a stage play yes i, I and read the that. the mm-hmm. denovelization right and so i'm also like was this done as a stage play like i uh, i don't know um and so i don't know if that's where some of this kind of weird narration is coming from. Like,
2: I I don't know. Ooh. Framing device around the, yeah, the play. Yeah, that could Maybe. be. Maybe. She took
1: all the dialogue and stuff and then try to put in description in between.
2: Mm-hmm. Could be. I mean, yeah. I could totally see this as a play because to me, especially the scenes between Marguerite and Percy, mm-hmm. read like such a soap opera. <laughs> it did. Mm-hmm. when they're like, When they come back to their home after the ball... And she's standing on the stairs and he's like, you know, what can I do for you? And she's like, please, can't we just talk? (laughs) And he's like, but you've lied to me and all that stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) like like general (laughs) hospital, except like (laughs) back in the day, (laughs) the French Revolution. It's like so interesting.
1: Yeah. Right. That that could be the inconsistency (laughs) then, because, I mean, I can totally see the Winnie the Pooh reference now, Jeanette. But I feel like the in the book, it does bounce back and forth a lot. <laughs> like, just a lot. And then, like, yeah, and then sometimes I I couldn't
0: find, I didn't have time to look because I had just finished the book. But, like, there were other times when, like, I guess the narrator, whoever it is, would say, like, and, you know, our friend, blah, 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 or blah. You know, it was just, like, the way it was written was, like, who, who are we? What is, mm-hmm. I I don't know. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but I, I <laughs> The, the dialogue was interesting. Yeah. I did like I, w- I just I wish, I don't know, this is a weird book for me because I felt like it could have been shorter, but I also wanted more. <laughs> like I just I wanted more between Percy and Marguerite. Mm-hmm. I certainly wanted more with the ending. Um,
1: but I don't know. This
0: was a uh, kind of a weird one for me.
1: Yeah, I could have done without some of the descriptions and like the backstories. Um, So maybe, like, cutting some of those parts out and putting in more, like, personal history, more interaction, I think that's what was missing, really. Um, The author only ever summarizes kind of what Marguerite and Percy's relationship was like. You don't really, like, see Mm -hmm. it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of frustrating because it's like, I'm not sure if I can be invested in just a summary. Like, I kind of want to see how their relationship is going how it's progressing you know
0: yeah and I mean I guess maybe that's some of it is at the time of this book they didn't really have much of a relationship yeah. they you know yeah. they acted like things were okay in public mm-hmm. but then like once they got home they weren't really talking yeah
1: Yeah. yeah definitely um so oh yeah anyways the audiobook yeah As a man which is funny because the book is clearly spoken through marguerite's mouth like she's summarizing this telling the story in a way Mm -hmm. um but because the scarlet pimpernel is the man and it's really about the scarlet pimpernel the uh you know the narrator was a man it's like well i I guess so weird i guess i was really (laughs) expecting it to be a woman
2: (laughs) but that's the interesting point though because is it really about the scarlet pimpernel because i feel like it's more about the marital relationship between marguerite and percy
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that really resolves,
2: right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And he just I mean, happens to be the Scarlet mm-hmm. Pimpernel. <laughs> yeah. I mean he yes, he, you know, carries off this like daring rescue as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I felt like the big like the big resolution wasn't like, Oh yeah, everybody got away. For me the big resolution was like, Oh yeah, this married couple starts talking to each other again.
1: Right. <laughs> like which i mean like yeah. I, I, like we mentioned before like i wish there was more of like kind of the relationship cuz it's like oh summary summary they were happy but now they're not really happy anymore they don't talk she's really good at faking it and then huge confrontation where they fight cuz percy is mysteriously mad at her and then like goes off on an adventure and then happily ever after right <laughs> And
0: yeah, Yeah. the happily ever after is in like two paragraphs at the end Mm -hmm. of the book. You're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. But see, I don't feel like him being mad at her is that mysterious. Like she keeps acting like it's so mysterious and he flat out tells her, no, you lied to me. Like you waited until I already knew your secret and then you told me your secret. He's like, you lied to me. You didn't trust me. He's like, and that's why I'm mad. And it
0: wasn't even just that because that's what she's like giving us at the beginning of the book. But then when they have that confrontation, it's like – and then he goes more into it and it's like, you never actually told me what happened. You just said that I should believe you and our love should be enough. And you like – you know, and I was like, okay, well, that makes more sense. Like she wasn't willing to divulge anything Mm -hmm. about what happened and – I can get that. I can get why he would not be okay with that. And so yeah. that kind of shifted it for me, too, because first you're thinking, oh, well, he's just being, like, totally ridiculous. and so, But now when you're hearing his side of things, and I think maybe that's when she was realizing it, too, like, oh, yeah, hmm. And then, like, so what she she wouldn't tell him anything was, like, you should just believe me and trust me because you just married me. And now I'm going to go away for, like, a few
2: months with my brother because
0: I'm mad at you. Like, I don't know.
2: yeah. <laughs> And that I think that's it, too, is, you know, she, even then, she kind of seems to believe that she's told him everything. Mm-hmm. And from his perspective, he doesn't think she's told him enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those, like, you know, if we all sat down and talked this out, we might figure <laughs> out what went wrong here. Yeah. Right. Communication. Um, yes. Yeah. But I, but I think that's actually a super believable Um conflict especially in a married couple Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. each of you believes the other should know how to communicate with you and how to make things really clear and she's like well I clearly told him everything and he decided to hold it against me um I should have never trusted him and he's like you didn't tell me nearly enough you didn't trust me and I'm mad at you because you didn't trust me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I that I really liked from a conflict standpoint Mm -hmm. that it was very believable I mean it married couples have that same fight oh yeah all the time nowadays where it's like you didn't tell me that you know I was supposed to pick up the baby it's like yes I did (laughs) whatever you know yeah yeah no I agree I thought that was well done yeah and it does make both of them a lot more even when you find out like oh okay Percy has reason be mad at marguerite it i think it makes both of them a lot more um what's the word relatable right Mm -hmm. because you know you've been in that position like oh i really made somebody mad by not doing this right or oh that person made me mad by not doing it right yeah it's like oh i get both of you now and i mean like they don't reading
1: stories that take place during like the French Revolution and before, like, way back when, like, you don't really see this kind of interaction, right? It's always like, ah, whatever, something happened, I'm going to go do my own thing, he's going to do his own thing, and whatever, we just live in the same house. You don't really see a lot of, like, communication, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's important. Communication is important. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. Um. I think what struck me was kind of the timing because all this happened um, after Marguerite gave Chauvelin the information of where the Scarlet Pimpernel yeah. going to be. So I think that was the, my one thing is like did did he know everything that, Percy know everything that was happening? So he knew Chauvelin was looking for him and targeting Marguerite. And then he, and like seeing Chauvelin in the dining room means that Marguerite ratted him out. So he's actually mad at her about that. And it's like,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he see,
0: definitely knows more than he's letting mm-hmm. on, right?
2: Yeah, he definitely does. And I kind of like that too, by the way, <laughs> I like that he's kind of like playing like, Oh, I'm so dumb, and all I care about is clothes and social (laughs) events. And really, he's like, I'm so smart and cunning and knowledgeable. Yeah. Um. But, I, I went. I didn't think think about it so much, and maybe that's you know, me being optimistic, being like, no, he wouldn't take it like that. (laughs) But I definitely thought he knew more. Mm But I was actually mad at her because I'm like, here you are. You guys are like starting to bear your souls. Like now would be the time to be like, Hey, I need to tell you everything. And she only, she still only gives him part of the story. Right. She's just like, Hey, my brother's in trouble and you know, I'm worried about him rather than being like, I'm being blackmailed and I'm also in trouble <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. I was a little, like, annoyed with that. I'm like, if you're going to tell him part of the problem, you might as well tell him the whole problem.
1: Oh, I'm sure she was scared because, like, oh, I just, like, divulged this super important secret, and you know, information. And, you know, everybody feels that, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to be so in in big trouble.
2: <laughs> yeah. I guess I more felt it because, like, you know, at this time period... Like, that that would have been, like, part of Percy's job as, like, the husband to, like, you know, defend her from somebody, like, trying to blackmail her or threaten her or whatever, you know? I'm like, okay, if you're going to tell him some of the stuff, like, might as well tell him all of it and let, you know, the, the sexism of the era work in your favor. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so let's kind of go into why Percy was the Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> because I am kind of not clear. <laughs> In the book, I think it mentioned at some point, it was, you know, oh, just something to, you know, fun. He's a rich boy. He doesn't have anything better to do. This was a challenge he thought would be interesting, right? Right. Like, that's <laughs> what I got. Um, I mean, is that it? I, I mean, it's fine, I guess. He he's helping people, I, I don't but... I believe
2: that. I think that's part of the, I think that's, again, part of that whole, like, mask he likes to wear. of Like, no, I don't only care about fun. Uh, I think, you know, in a lot of these stories, again, going back to stuff like Zorro, um, these characters are really about justice and saving people they care about. Uh, and I think it's more like that. I mean we know that a lot of these um, aristocrats they're bringing over are friends of the aristocrats in England. I think that's where it's coming from. It's a sense of these are my friends. The, you know, these people don't deserve this. I'm going to rescue, you know, people who are being um, people who are being executed without reason. Hmm. But I don't think he can say that because he's, you know, the great Sir Percy, yeah, I mean Lord Percy or whatever. I, I mean, it's fine,
1: but just like, because hmm, he just wants to dress up and you know be all these interesting characters, you know,
0: <laughs> right? They're they're making it out like, well, instead of hunting game, we're like you know trying to like help these people out, right. and it's kind of like a game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess, but I, you know, and I wonder if there was if there's more to his upbringing or childhood that we didn't get to learn mm-hmm. about. Yeah, you know, like is something he was trained to do (laughs) i don't know
2: definitely i was trained to disguise myself and rescue people from
0: (laughs) (laughs) well because you you gotta think that like this has been a long game Mm -hmm. right they're saying that the scarlet pimpernel has only been around for what the past year but everyone believes that he's an idiot and so i guess he's been doing this all along I don't think you can really switch it up to like suddenly be like oh well now I'm dumb and I don't care about things and I'm just a fashion Mm -hmm. you know rich aristocrat right
2: well and he might just have that because in society you know in aristocratic society maybe that's like it's not cool or whatever to be smart or to know things or to be whatever it's not cool to <laughs> it's not cool to care exactly so he plays that role in society because that's the role that they're all expected to play like even um andrew and i forget the the other couple of guys in that oh um in that group but they all act that way they all act kind of silly with each other and like oh yeah we're just having fun like, they're just being a bunch of bros, and maybe that's what's, you know, yeah, socially appropriate or socially cool. Well, and that's a secret
1: and they can that's share. That's why
2: nobody knows he's yeah. smart. And
1: that's a secret they can share, right? Oh, we got the secret. Like, we can't tell yeah. anybody. We're awesome. We're helping this guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to think, like, Marguerite. Everybody knows that Marguerite is, like, the cleverest brain in Europe or whatever they keep calling her, which, by the way, Great reputation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like everybody knows how brilliant she is. So you've got to think that if she was going to marry somebody, she and and supposedly marry for love, she wasn't going to pick some guy who is super dumb yeah. and only cared about his clothes. Like he must reveal that to people he's close right. with, just not yeah. everybody.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that is one thing I liked about Marguerite. Um, going back for a second is, like, they make her out to be perfect, right? Like, she looks perfect. She has these perfect little features. She's super smart. She's clever. She knows how to work a room. But then, like, she's foolish in this one thing, which is the most important thing, which is her relationship <laughs> with her husband. Of course. Yeah. You know? It's was like, well, good. Because it would suck if she was so perfect. Because... <laughs> We all at one point. I was like, "Okay, (laughs) she's a little too perfect." Stop talking about her perfect little hands or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, I found I like that. I was like, "Okay, I get it. I get what you, I get what you're, dishon lady." (laughs) Um. So, let's talk about Chauvelin really quickly because that's the Scarlet Pimpernel's arch nemesis, basically, right? Um. He go, they talk about one French officer who's like, this guy's never going to get past me, and totally goes past, you know, he totally goes past him. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: like the first yeah. chapter, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was pretty yeah. funny. Um, yeah. I was like, I know where this <laughs> is going. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Chauvelin, who's like, very like, he's trying to be very cunning. He's trying to, like, be one step ahead of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think think like if it wasn't for marguerite he would have caught him
0: he would have had a better chance (laughs) because um andrew wouldn't have been there to give him the heads Mm -hmm. up um but i mean percy seems i mean if if he's been doing it for this long he seems to be pretty good on his feet yeah um I don't know. Did anyone else feel like Chauvelin was just kind of like a caricature of like the evil Frenchman? <laughs> a
1: little. The sly fox the black in the, male like little
0: you know,
2: the beady I mean, pale eyes and the like I don't know. He definitely was kind of a like stereotypical villain. Yeah. Like Yeah. I I definitely got that. But it was very effective for me. I I mean, he walked in. I was like, I don't like you. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yep. um, So I, I think she used the stereotype really well. But it, it, there was a little bit of depth lacking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact, which was interesting, that he was totally this villain. And everybody's like, well, we got at first, everybody was like, well, we have to be nice to him. He's a diplomat. And that, I thought, was kind of an interesting way to introduce him because, you know, the stereotypical villain, everybody's like, oh, stay away from him. And he's like, I get invited to all the best parties where I can. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah.
0: They, they and have that, a lot of immunity, right? They
2: uh, yeah, uh can get away mm-hmm. with things. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. But then as like the story kept going and it was like he didn't have to use his diplomacy as yeah. much like, it's like, I don't have to be diplomatic. I'm just going to outright threaten mm-hmm. you and your brother. I'm like, hmm. And like, you're, you're going more and more into the stereotype less in the character.
1: Yeah. Yep. I mean, he played his part really well because he knew that he had to act diplomatically to make sure that all the yeah. doors are open to him, you know. Um, I really enjoyed the interaction between Chauvelin and Percy. At the at the at the little oh, CD, like the shack, yeah, C D N place. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well that's that's actually a pretty cool scene with the pepper and stuff. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a good scene. I just um, I wish we had gotten more
0: of Percy just period yeah. through the whole book. Like he was a really fun character and we didn't get to
1: see him that much. Yeah. I mean, the author made sure it was always from Marguerite's point of view, right? Whenever Percy was kind of in the scene, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I did like the 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 face off as it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So my last thing is the end of the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a little weird the way it ended. I thought it's like it was this huge climax. They're like she discovers that. Percy was Benjamin, and they're stuck on this coastline. And I'm just like, what what, what, what happened next? You know, I feel like there right. needs to be a little more to kind of finish it.
0: I agree. I found it to be too abrupt of an ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's all this lead up, and then it's like two paragraphs is – and they're back home and um Andrew and that other girl got married and yeah. you know like, <laughs>
2: like what? Okay. Yep. And I and, was fine with it. It's so funny. I was totally fine with it. I'm like great. Everything ended up the way it was supposed to. <laughs> like,
0: right. Well, okay. Now did did Chauvelin get uh
2: executed? Yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> That's did he get in interesting trouble? Question. I never like, even Thought of that? That did right? not occur to me.
0: Because so this these are like the last what is it? It's the last uh, sentence. It is also a fact that M. Chauvelin, the accredited agent of the French Republican Government, was not present at that or any other social fun- function in London after that memorable evening at Lord Grenville's ball. <laughs> and so, like, because you know they had pretty much told everyone else: if you let the Scarlet Pimpernel away, like if you don't catch them, if he gets through your mm-hmm. hands, you're gonna right. die. And so, Did he? is he dead?
2: <laughs> but wasn't that Chauvelin's orders? So, like, would he have given the order to execute himself? Like, I enough?
0: can't imagine that he's the top guy. I think
1: to me, he seems like the no. middle guy. He's what? like the middle man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's middle
0: manager. <laughs> yep. And, um, like, no one else went after Percy. Like, I just, I don't. Uh, they know who he is, they know where he lives. They didn't have an but, an issue kidnapping the other people. Like I don't know, it's weird.
2: But once he's in England, he's not subject to French law anymore. But they, but that didn't stop them from
0: going in the first place and kidnapping the other people. Yeah.
2: What? Which people? Wait.
0: Andrew and whoever the other person was at at the inn. Mm-hmm. They kidnapped him to get yeah, all the information. The, the other guy, and then they they only let him out so that they could follow him to find out who the Scarlet Pimpernel yeah. was.
2: Yep. They're, I feel like they're using them though. Well, that's what I mean. They're,
0: they're using them, but they could have just kept them and taken them to France
2: and killed them. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could (laughs) have, but then they don't get their information and they need their information.
0: But what I'm trying to say is why don't they do that to Percy (laughs) now? They know who Percy is. Right. They know he's a Scarlet Pimpernel. I don't know. I just,
2: I, I thought it was a weird ending. Um, See, I kind of got it as like, you know, because Percy and Marguerite are such favorites that once they got back, Chauvelin wasn't was no longer welcome in Britain. Okay. And so that's how I read that. And so he definitely can't go after Percy if he can't get back into the country. I thought he just got in super big trouble, so he was
1: he got like demoted or
2: something. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe he, he was
1: demoted.
0: But if he was the diplomat, he w- he would still be the mm. diplomat, and it would be the exact
2: same thing they already did at the beginning right. of the book. They have to deal with him because he's the diplomat. Theoretically, yeah. But if they, you know, Britain goes back and it's like, "Nah, your diplomat's not welcome here. <laughs> Find another diplomat."
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
2: I yeah, was just because once you're out of the country, they can choose. I guess if they can let him back in, I don't yeah. know. I'm not quite sure how diplomacy worked at that yeah. time period. <laughs> well, there's yeah. a guillotine involved,
1: clearly. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Um. But
1: yeah, so that, that was just like my one thing. Is like, mm, okay, I I feel a little incomplete, but it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So then, ladies, did you like this book? This classic. <laughs> <laughs> Your
0: face, mare. <sighs> I mean, it was fine. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I liked parts of it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I can't remember if I said it on the recording or beforehand, but like, I felt like some of it was too long and then some of it was not long Mm enough. It's just what she decided to dwell on. uh, It's a good way to put it. Sometimes was, was just very circular and
2: I don't know. It was okay. I did mention at one part that it was repetitive and I, I do think that it was a little repetitive. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that.
0: So, like, it was cute. It was fun. Um, Now I know there's, like, a bajillion other books that follow Mm the Scarlet Pimpernel. Am I going to read any of them? No, I don't think so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they were all, like, told, like, from Marguerite's point of view and stuff like that, like this, I might read them because I'd be interested in their marriage. Mm Yeah but i don't think they are from what i've read about the other books in the series
0: mm, okay okay
2: so and some of them involve the scarlet pimpernel in varying levels of importance okay so mm. like some he's a plays a big role and some he plays a smaller role hmm. and i don't think like that doesn't interest me right i was interested in these specific characters that being said, I mean, I did like the book. I thought it was a fun, quick read. If it had been longer, I don't think I would have liked it as much. Same.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I thought I liked it a
1: lot more than I thought I was going to, because there are some classics where the reading is just a little too dense or there's a lot of circular descriptions. I don't know why they like that so much. but, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little bored now. Like, can we can we move on? Um, yeah, <laughs> I got it the first yeah. time, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I also liked it. It was a lot of fun. It was a nice change for sure. So,
2: um, and we're, and now we can say we've know, read Now it. we read another classic. <laughs> Check. See all you people out there pressuring us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We did it. Okay.
1: Look what you made me do. <laughs> read about the Scarlet Pimpernel. Um, so we're going to kind of go into another direction. We're going to be reading a kind of kind of a tome. It's a pretty long book. I think yeah, yep. it's pretty big. Um, called yeah. The City of Brass by S A Chakraborty. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe okay. so, yeah, Chakraborty. Okay. <laughs> um, but it looks super interesting and I thought mm-hmm. I put a hold on it at my library and I did not so I did that last night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm very interested in this one. It's been on my TBR since it came out. But now the third book comes out I think in like January
2: or Ooh, something so I'm like this is the perfect time to start it. That's awesome timing. Yes. Nice.
0: Yeah. All right. So, You can find our show notes from today's episode at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 69. And you can also find the podcast all over social media. We're at Eclectic Readers at Goodreads and Instagram and Litzy. And then we're on Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod. And ladies, where can our listeners find you?
1: Uh, well, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and let's see, uh, as Dudi Kaicho, R-U-R-I underscore
2: K-A-I-C-H-O-U. How about you, Jeanette? Uh, you can find me on Goodreads and let's see, at J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A, that's J-M-T Rivera. And on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Jeanette, that's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E.
0: And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Litzy, and Goodreads, all under Mare the Book Gal, M E R E T H E B O O K G A L. Please remember to subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. And please rate and review us if you use Apple Podcasts on Apple Podcasts because that is super helpful. All right, I think that's it. So let's shelve this until next month. Okay, bye. bye.
1: bye.